0: Part two Chapter twenty three of After London This Librivox recording is in the public domain Recording by Ruth Golding After London or Wild England by Richard Jeffreys Part two Wild England Chapter twenty three Strange Things The thought struck Felix that perhaps he might find a spring somewhere in the island, and he started at once up over the hill. At the top he paused. The sun had not sunk, but had disappeared as a disc. In its place was a billow of blood, for so it looked, a vast, upheaved billow of glowing blood surging on the horizon. Over it flickered a tint of palest blue, like that seen in fire. The black waters reflected the glow, and the yellow vapour around was suffused with it. Though momentarily startled, Felix did not much heed these appearances, he was still dazed and heavy from his sleep. He went on looking for a spring, sometimes walking on firm ground, sometimes sinking to the ankle in a friable soil like black sand. The ground looked, indeed, as if it had been burnt, but there were no charred stumps of timber such as he had seen on the sites of forest fires. The extreme dreariness seemed to oppress his spirits, and he went on and on in a heavy waking dream. Descending into a plain, he lost sight of the flaming sunset and the black waters. In the level plain the desolation was yet more marked. There was not a grass-blade or plant. The surface was hard, black, and burned, resembling iron. And indeed in places, it resounded to his feet, though he supposed that was the echo from hollow passages beneath. Several times he shook himself, straightened himself up, and endeavoured to throw off the sense of drowsy weight which increased upon him. He could not do so. He walked with bent back, and crept, as it were, over the iron land which radiated heat a shimmer like that of water appeared in front. He quickened his pace, but could not get to it, and realised presently that it was a mirage which receded as he advanced. There was no pleasant summer twilight. The sunset was succeeded by an indefinite gloom, and while this shadow hung overhead, the yellow vapour around was faintly radiant. Felix suddenly stopped having stepped, as he thought, on a skeleton. Another glance, however, showed that it was merely the impression of one. The actual bones had long since disappeared. The ribs, the skull and limbs were drawn on the black ground in white lines, as if it had been done with a broad piece of chalk. Close by he found three or four more, intertangled and superimposed, as if the unhappy beings had fallen partly across each other, and in that position had moulded away, leaving nothing but their outline. From among the variety of objects that were scattered about, Felix picked up something that shone. It was a diamond bracelet of one large stone, and a small square of blue-china tile, with a curious heraldic animal drawn on it. Evidently these had belonged to one or other of the party who had perished. Though startled at the first sight, it was curious that Felix felt so little horror. The idea did not occur to him that he was in danger as these had been. Inhaling the gaseous emanations from the soil and contained in the yellow vapour, he had become narcotized and moved as if under the influence of opium, while wide awake, and capable of rational conduct. His senses were deadened, and did not carry the usual vivid impression to the mind. He saw things as if they were afar off. Accidentally looking back, he found that his footmarks, as far as he could see, shone with a phosphoric light, like that of touchwood, in the dark. Near at hand they did not shine, The appearance did not come till some few minutes had elapsed. His track was visible behind till the vapour hid it. As the evening drew on, the vapour became more luminous, and somewhat resembled an aurora. Still anxious for water, he proceeded as straight ahead as he could, and shortly became conscious of an indefinite cloud which kept pace with him on either side when he turned to look at either of the clouds, the one looked at disappeared. It was not condensed enough to be visible to direct vision, yet he was aware of it from the corner of his eye. Shapeless and threatening, the gloomy thickness of the air floated beside him like the vague monster of a dream. Sometimes he fancied that he saw an arm or a limb among the folds of the cloud or an approach to a face. The instant he looked, it vanished. Marching at each hand, these vapours bore him horrible company. His brain became unsteady, and flickering things moved about him, yet, though alarmed, he was not afraid. His senses were not acute enough for fear. The heat increased. His hands were intolerably hot, as if he had been in a fever. He panted, but did not perspire. A dry heat, like an oven, burned his blood in his veins. His head felt enlarged, and his eyes seemed alight. He could see these two globes of phosphoric light under his brows. They seemed to stand out so that he could see them. He thought his path straight. It was really curved nor did he know that he staggered as he walked. Presently a white object appeared ahead, and on coming to it he found it was a wall, white as snow, with some kind of crystal. He touched it when the wall fell immediately with a crushing sound, as if pulverised, and disappeared in a vast cavern at his feet. Beyond this chasm, He came to more walls, like those of houses, such as would be left if the roofs fell in. He carefully avoided touching them, for they seemed as brittle as glass, and merely a white powder, having no consistency at all. As he advanced, these remnants of buildings increased in number, so that he had to wind in and out round them. In some places the crystallised wall had fallen of itself, and he could see down into the cavern, for the house had either been built partly underground, or, which was more probable, the ground had risen. Whether the walls had been of bricks or stone or other material, he could not tell. They were now like salt. Soon wearying of winding round these walls, Felix returned, and traced his steps till he was outside the place, and then went on towards the left. Not long after, as he still walked in a dream and without feeling his feet, he descended a slight slope, and found the ground change in colour from black to a dull red. In his dazed state he had taken several steps into this red, before he noticed that it was liquid, unctuous and slimy, like a thick oil it deepened rapidly, and was already over his shoes. He returned to the black shore, and stood looking out over the water, if such it could be called. The luminous yellow vapour had now risen a height of ten or fifteen feet, and formed a roof both over the land and over the red water, under which it was possible to see for a great distance. The surface of the red oil, or viscid liquid, was perfectly smooth, and, indeed, it did not seem as if any wind could rouse a wave on it, much less that a swell should be left after the gale had gone down. Disappointed in his search for water to drink, Felix mechanically turned to go back. He followed his luminous footmarks, which he could see a long way before him. His trail curved so much that he made many shortcuts across the winding line he had left. His weariness was now so intense that all feeling had departed. His feet, his limbs, his arms and hands were numbed. The subtle poison of the emanations from the earth had begun to deaden his nerves. It seemed a full hour or more to him till he reached the spot where the skeletons were drawn in white upon the ground. He passed a few yards to one side of them, and stumbled over a heap of something which he did not observe, as it was black like the level ground. It emitted a metallic sound, and looking he saw that he had kicked his foot against a great heap of money. The coins were black as ink. He picked up a handful and went on. Hitherto Felix had accepted all that he saw as something so strange as to be unaccountable. During his advance into this region in the canoe he had, in fact, become slowly stupefied by the poisonous vapour he had inhaled. His mind was partly in abeyance. It acted, but only after some time had elapsed he now at last began to realise his position. The finding of the heap of blackened money touched a cord of memory. These skeletons were the miserable relics of men who had ventured in search of ancient treasures into the deadly marshes over the site of the mightiest city of former days. The deserted and utterly extinct city of London Was under his feet. He had penetrated into the midst of that dreadful place of which he had heard many a tradition. How the earth was poison, the water poison, the air poison, the very light of heaven falling through such an atmosphere poison. There were said to be places where the earth was on fire and belched forth sulphurous fumes supposed to be from the combustion of the enormous stores of strange and unknown chemicals collected by the wonderful people of those times. Upon the surface of the water there was a greenish-yellow oil, to touch which was death to any creature. It was the very essence of corruption. Sometimes it floated before the wind, and fragments became attached to reeds or flags far from the place itself. If a moorhen or duck chanced to rub the reed, and but one drop stuck to its feathers, it forthwith died. Of the red water he had not heard, nor of the black, into which he had unwittingly sailed. Ghastly beings haunted the sight of so many crimes shapeless monsters hovering by night, and weaving a fearful dance. Frequently they caught fire, as it seemed, and burned as they flew or floated in the air. Remembering these stories, which in part at least now seemed to be true, Felix glanced aside, where the cloud still kept pace with him, and involuntarily put his hands to his ears lest the darkness of the air should whisper some horror of old times. The earth on which he walked, the black earth, leaving phosphoric footmarks behind him, was composed of the mouldered bodies of millions of men, who had passed away in the centuries during which the city existed. He shuddered as he moved, he hastened, Yet could not go fast, his numbed limbs would not permit him. He dreaded lest he should fall and sleep and wake no more, like the searchers after treasure, treasure which they had found, only to lose for ever. He looked around, supposing that he might see the gleaming head and shoulders of the half-buried giant of which he recollected he had been told. The giant was punished for some crime by being buried to the chest in the earth. Fire incessantly consumed his head and played about it, yet it was not destroyed. The learned thought, if such a thing really existed, that it must be the upper part of an ancient brazen statue, kept bright by the action of acid in the atmosphere, and shining with reflected light. Felix did not see it, and shortly afterwards surmounted the hill and looked down upon his canoe. It was on fire! End of Part 2 Chapter 23